Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Your Family Revealed. I think there's something really interesting when we start to look at our family systems and we start to understand the effects our family has in our lives, the people we grow up around, you know, all these formative young years and the people that make up this wide picture. I mean, we, we usually have, you know, several family members or people that raise us, whether it's friends of the people that raise us or actual biological family um, who raises us, like there's a community of some sort And we are constantly learning from that community. It's like a feedback loop. And so I'm really happy to have this conversation today to explore this with my guest, Elaine Carney Gibson. She is a practicing psychotherapist of 50 years. She sees individuals, couples, and families specializing in relationship therapy. She is the director of the Marriage and Family Therapy Training Institute of the Link Counseling Center in Atlanta, Georgia. So with no further ado, please help me welcome Elaine to the show. Elaine, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yeah. And I wanted, when I saw your book and I saw kind of the work that you've done in the world, I wanted to have this conversation because so much of my own personal healing journey has dealt along these lines of going back and understanding our family system, understanding the dynamics. And I think sometimes when we, you know, get a little bit older, kind of in our middle age, it seems really like a time of reflection, right? It's like you've got maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, half your life ahead of you and half your life that you have lived. And you start to have perspective and look back and ask yourself some bigger questions that maybe you didn't ask when you were 20 years old, let's say. And so, um, and you start to see, I think, a bigger picture if you desire to, or you start to notice the patterns in your life, right? We start to see things that show up again and again, and we say, why do I do this? Or where does this come from? Which opens up a bigger question. So, so let's dive into this, our family systems. It's, as we all know, probably without you and I even having this conversation, it's an intricate web. Well, yes, I think it is. It's, there's so... It's so multi-layered. So to look at it from so many different perspectives at different times in your life and to understanding more of the patterns and beliefs you have, sometimes almost you're even unaware that they're inside of you because you haven't really chosen them. They've just kind of been what you've adopted and you go on autopilot. So my, my hope is that people will really begin to do some Uh, real uh, soul searching and also begin to have more and more awareness because I do believe it's out of awareness that we then have choice and can make them those things aren't working for us 
the way they maybe once did, or that it doesn't seem to be aligned with true self, that we can, uh, with awareness, can make new choices and decisions and change our patterns and beliefs if that's what we want to do. So I think it does start with awareness. And so I think that's really the point of the book is to really look look at what kind of what goes on within you in regard to what you've learned from your family. I cover a lot of different aspects. So yeah, that's my hope for the book. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And you do cover lots of aspects. And I want to dive into that. But first, like, how did you come across this work or feel called to do this? What's some of the history that led you to writing this book? Oh my, uh, well, I don't want to take too much time with that question. So um, I think I started as a child in that I was very interested in stories and not just the stories themselves. I'm the kid, the grandkid that would jump on the bike, ride to my grandmother's, sit on her front porch in her porch swing and hear her stories over and over again because a part of me knew that her stories were my stories. But what I also wanted to understand is even a child is what is the meaning then that we give to the stories. So it's not just the stories themselves, it's the meaning we give them and then what that, then what we think that means about us and who we are in the world. So I think I started that at a very young age. I came into the field of psychology and again, you know, I'm, most, I'm sure this is not new information, but the word psyche comes from the Greek word soul, spirit. Mm. So psychology is a study of soul. And I think I came into this work at a very exciting time when this whole idea of family systems theory was brand new on the scene. And there wasn't even courses, except for very few courses more related to uh, people around the time of Freud. There weren't courses even offered at the universities. And so it was a very exciting time for me to go off and say, oh, well, this is what makes sense to me. We are born into a system. We live in systems. And so they have a huge impact, these systems. And so I got very excited about the field. We were kind of rebels at the time. Uh, and I've just never stopped being excited about it. So when I was teaching, I taught graduate courses in marriage and family therapy for a number of years, along with practicing, seeing individuals, couples, and families. And my students would say to me, they'd go off and they'd read the chapters, they'd come back and they'd say this was kind of boring and laborious. And I'd get, they'd get to class and I would explain it in simple terms and they'd say, you make it fun and interesting. Why don't you write a book? Well, that was very you know, complimentary to me. I, I appreciate it was a compliment, but I, um, I didn't have time. I was too busy doing that job and and then being a psychotherapist and having family. And so it's like, but then finally it got a place to my life in my life where I thought, okay, now's the time. Now's the time to sit down and to write this in a way that I think could be um, easier to understand and useful to people. So beautiful. And you talk about like, you know, I think we can think of therapy or the idea of psychology as an individual um, like, okay, what is, what's going on in my individual life? And we can think very singularly about that. 
But really family systems theory is about looking at the whole picture, right? So not just your family of origin, but multiple generations of how these stories and these beliefs like, you know, get laid in one person's life and in the family system. And you talk about in the book, a feedback loop. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, that's the way it got started. It kind of was born out of um, people coming out of World War II and the machines and things where machinery was feeding information back to itself. It would go off and you know, do whatever it's supposed to do, and then would give information back to itself. And so when uh, a group of psychiatrists, communication theorists, social workers, anthropologists, they begin to look at that and say, wait a minute, let's apply this to human interaction. And so they kind of all at the same time start bubbling up around the country, around the world, really, beginning to look at this from human sense of what what we put out there then somebody's reacting to that listening to that responding to that and they're feeding back information response to that what we put out so there is this kind of constant feedback loop that goes on and of course this can get very complicated because we're not just one individual usually uh interacting with one other individual, we're act, reacting and acting with many individuals. So uh, we think of it as a kind of a circular exploration rather than a linear way of looking at individuals and relationships. Absolutely. And I think in general, like at this time on the planet, we're starting to look beyond the linear in general. I mean, I think we are, you know, really questioning the linear in every different way in our life and seeing, you know, the interaction, the multidimensionality of everything, of relationships, of the universe, of, you know, you name it. And so I think that's a more accurate vantage point than the way that we have seen things, you know, simply in a linear fashion. Right. Or or such a closed system, you know, that we're that we're not the world we're involved with the whole world yes. and i think we see more than ever is that everything that's happening is affecting us and we are interconnected and we have more awareness of that interconnectedness i think than we ever have i i agree and it, you know you talk about and you know everybody listening might have heard the term identified patient um, as the person, you know, maybe in a family system who is the one having a visible problem or it seems like, oh, this person's acting out or this person's so angry or they're having problems in their life, you know, be it substance abuse or relationship problems. And as you've seen this over the years, you know, in the context, like what is the wider viewpoint on, let's call them the person that's having the problem? Well, I just think of them as a symptom bearer. So whatever's going on in the symptom, they're the, I mean, in the, the system, they're the one bearing that and they're having the symptoms. So when they come in, that's how I see them. They're the symptom bearer. What is going on in the symptom that is not working? That is uh, in some way not working. Just, I, I don't even know if I want to use the word dysfunctional, but often that, that's true. But there's some pain or tension or anxiety unfinished business, whatever that may be, um, that the symptom bear, 
i.e. the identified patient, is the one that's caring. So usually pretty early on, probably the first session, if I'm sitting with a family, I'm going to reframe that, that this person is has the problem. And whatever else is I learn about the family, to reframe that into that this is a family or a systemic issue. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you feel like sometimes the symptom bearer might be the most like emotional or sensitive person in a family? Have you found that to be true or the person that is feeling like the dynamics of the system more than maybe like is more aware in a, in a feel in a felt sense of the dynamics of the system? Well, I certainly think that can be the case that this is the sensitive person, but I also think there are times when that has been programmed in the family. Mm, fascinating. And again, it's, you know, have to take kind of individual uh, scenarios to kind of point that out that, yeah, I think often it is the person that's very sensitive, but I think sometimes it's like, okay, it could be, all right, we're programmed the male. The male's the one going to act out. Um, or the oldest child, or what, you know, there's so many different factors that could go into that. Interesting. So it's almost as if the system is is reacting and interacting with that that symptom bearer in the way that amplifies that in their life. I think so, yes. Fascinating. So when you think about this stuff, you then you might say to yourself, like, how do we really understand what is truly who we are outside the beliefs and you know what I mean and all of the inundation of information that we see we receive from the time we're born I mean like what is our sense of self outside of that well yeah I think that's the big question you know that that um that we're just wanting to most of us are wanting to know that about ourselves some people don't seem to be that interested they're just going along with how they've been programmed and that seems to be how they're functioning in the world but I think from at least the people I come in contact with, um, that they're wanting to know more. Okay, who am I? And why? what do I want? And how do I get to that? So it's, it unfolds in the course of therapy. And so if, um, and I see a lot of individuals, but I'm thinking about them in terms of having been in whatever system they've been in and are currently in whatever system they're in and how that's impacted them and how for them to separate out kind of more of identifying um, truly what are their thoughts, their feelings, their longings, their dreams, their own beliefs and to help, help them identify that. So I think that's part of the journey that we go on and we're doing some of the self-help things or the spiritual journeys we're on or the psychological journeys we're on. Yeah, I think one of the things like I've realized in my own kind of thoughts about this is that there is more programming that you can come across. I mean, like you said, it's an unfolding. It's It's astonishing. I mean, I think so much of the way that we relate to ourselves and the world and 
move through life, even as we increase our awareness, let's say, you know, everybody who would be called to listen to this show would be on a path um, of increasing their awareness. But there's always more to know because even, you know, now I'm just blown away sometimes at how I will uncover like a belief system that is, was handed down to me or is not mine that I've been operating out of completely unaware. And it's like, when it comes into awareness, you're just like, how have I not seen this before? Like, this is wild. Well, I agree. That's why kind of the purpose of the book was to bring to awareness because sometimes it is so ingrained or so subtle that we're we're not aware. And I do it and at the end of each chapter, kind of have a quest study guide kind of thing for people to reflect what they've just read and to, to think about it, maybe journal about it, talk about it. Um, yeah, because I think that's very true. We just get into patterns of behavior, patterns of belief. And we really are unaware. And it takes that awareness in order to claim your power to make a new choice. Mm, beautifully said. And you, I love the part where you were talking about asking families like what the number one thing they want their children to feel. And a lot of times people saying happiness, like, oh, I want my child to be happy. And you really talk about that feeling of security, being feeling secure as being an innate kind of need and feeling that children have. And I know I'm sure lots of people listening to this could go back to instances in their childhood where they didn't have that sense of security. What happens to us as children when we're living in, you know, whether it's emotional security, physical you know, not feeling physically safe in our environment. What's what goes on in our development? Well, we know from child development theory that it's um, that feeling secure in the first several years of life is really paramount. Uh, children that don't can develop all kinds of um, mental health issues. Really, uh, um, f- figuring out how to be in the world. I mean, it's it's very important. It's important as we go on because I don't, as I was saying in the book, that I, the idea of being happy, you know, those those are great, but they're fleeting. <laughs> right. So we, we want to have them. We, we want to experience those. We want our children to experience those. We hope that we did and are, but also there's other emotions. Are we secure and safe to feel our anger, our hurt, our fears? Are we safe to have that whole range of emotions? And the children that don't have that shut down often will develop attachment issues that they carry into later life and relationships. Uh, certainly sense of self-esteem and self-worth is affected. So I, I think that whole idea of, um, and all we can do for our children is to provide it right now in the here and the now, because we none of us know what's happening tomorrow, but we have today. So what can we do today to help our children have that sense of going back and looking at our own lives? Okay, what what was it that happening a lot of times it's not because there was something anybody did wrong. 
it was the circumstances that were present. And so there's not a bad guy here in many cases. So, okay, how did that affect us? And how can we then heal whatever that woundedness was uh, to our sense of self, identity, security? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I always go back to this like element of safety and security okay. as like the place where, you know, we most need to heal and the most that we take forward in the choices that we make, like this desiring, right, to be safe and secure causes people to make all kinds of choices in their life seeking that. Yes, yes. And often choices that are deadening. <sighs> with the, you know, it's a desire to survive. Yes. So you've gone to survival, but you've left in the idea of thriving. Well, you understand, if you have to survive, you've got to survive before you can thrive. So it's understandable. Yes, that makes so much sense. And you also talk about... Um, which I think is really great. You talk about individuality and togetherness in a family system and and every family system has their own kind of I would code, right? Or beliefs about, you know, some of them, how we need to be together all the time. Some, you know, people just kind of go off and live these really individual lives and they're not with their family system very much. Like, I just thought it was an interesting concept because I think there's a lot of story and programming around what a family should be. And you really talk about defining this for yourself, like being able to have a choice around this. What are some things that you've seen in regards to togetherness versus individuality? Well, I think that that's kind of the goal. The goal is to um, become an autonomous individual in the world, honoring yourself, your own wants and needs, and to stay connected and related to others. So that's a, kind of to me a lifelong journey. Uh, we're always working on it. Um, and the, the togetherness issue is one that shows up so much in our lives. Not It's not just with our family of origin, but the people we're in relationship with currently. How much togetherness do we have with a partner, with children, you know, um, that's just always an issue. Do you allow yourself free time to do what, just to take care of yourself? I mean, I look at some of my people I know and love. They don't take care of themselves because they're so busy thinking they have to be there for everybody else. So that whole idea, we're constantly, I think, working on it and fine tuning it because things change. We look, we grow and change that people we're relating to are growing and changing. And so we're constantly redefining how that's working for us. So to think we have it set in stone and then that's the way it should always be, is really kind of, I don't know. I think it, it can some ways for some individuals, it works for some people, but it doesn't work for other people and for them to be able to take a look at that and to acknowledge that and say, maybe I need to change some of this. 
And how do I want to do that in a way that's respectful of myself and respectful of the other? Yes, and this like kind of leads to two boundaries and you go over boundaries. I think it's beautiful what you have to say about boundaries. And I think boundaries are really tricky for people in relationship, right? There's like some sort of story about love. You know, the more you love someone, the less boundaries you have. Like, like an act of love means, you know, I'm completely available and open to everything and I don't have boundaries. I think a lot of people kind of believe that somewhere in their system and are all and are uncomfortable like around having boundaries and how to be in relationship and be, you know, in the state of love and also have boundaries. What are some of the things that you've seen like over the years that you feel like are challenges around people understanding boundaries? Well, I that uh, boundaryless kind of love I think is the falling in love stage. You know, that, that idea of you just coming together and you have that wonderful connection with another person that you feel like you, you know, the whole, the whole idea of becoming one. Well, I don't see that really working. Uh, either get swallowed up or you, have to, you end up, that doesn't feel quite right all the time and so then you begin to set up you create distance and then with that you lose some of the intimacy so I think it really is a delicate balance of being able to move into that space of openness with particularly a, a love interest mm-hmm. uh, opening up in, in that beautiful free flowing, but to also know that then that each of you has your own wants and needs and they're not always in alignment with the other. And it's okay. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with a relationship or either of the individuals. So to, to honor that, okay, I may not want to do that right now. That doesn't feel right for me oh, I really need to because the other person wants to. So again, it's about having respect and understanding your impact on the other, but at the same time, honoring your own wants, needs, thoughts, feelings. Yes, and I think, you know, this is, boundaries is a big thing we... I think emulate from our family system to, you know, we're either emulating what they did or we're doing the opposite of that. I've noticed this, you know, over the years and working with people, it's like either this 180 from what they lived with because they're not going to do, you know, what was in their family system or it's adopting kind of that approach and applying it to every relationship in their life. I feel like it's a a blanket kind of veil that gets applied across the board. Well, no, I think that's true. And so again, it's back to looking at, okay, uh, understanding, understanding some of those dynamics and what will work currently for the individual, and it may be different with different relationships so that it's not an across-the-board kind of thing. 
Um, but this does take some work. You know, like you said, it's the 180. Yeah. I'm not going to do it this way and kind of be locked into that, which can be rigid and then doesn't allow for something um, to be free flowing and rewarding. Or you just get locked into the same old patterns and somehow then you're not honoring again your own wants and needs. Yeah. Yes. And I think if you're doing the polar opposite or the same thing, that's all kind of coming from the same energy of in reaction to this pattern or this belief versus like being able to discover how you really feel about it or what you might, you know, choose separate from that whole system. Yes. It's reacting to other, whether the other is a rule or a, a pattern, an individual, family members. It's it, but you're in a, in a state of reacting. And what I am really hoping for individuals is that you'll then choose what you want and how you're going to act, rather than being in a state of reactivity. Yes, it's so important. I just love this. The book is Your Family Revealed, A Guide to Decoding the Patterns, Stories, and Belief Systems in Your Family. I feel like this is really, really important work. And you did a beautiful job of taking us into examples in the book so that you can really, you know, in reading a story or an example, we can really say, oh, yeah, I've felt that in my life, or I've confronted that, or, oh, that made me think of you know, this that happened in my life that was very similar so that we start to jog back because sometimes we don't even remember our past. We don't remember where we've been until something jogs our memory. And then it's like a new discovery of an area of our life where we can understand ourselves better. And so I'm really happy that you sat down to do this. I know a book is a big undertaking and obviously you have a busy schedule in life and um, but that you shared this with the world, because I think, you know, having access to something like this, where you can ask yourself these questions and you can raise your awareness around it in your own home, right. Or on audible when you're sitting anywhere is such an important gift. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate those kind of words. And, uh, really, I, um, I feel honored to have had the experiences I've had and the support I've had to uh, be able to share this information. So, yeah, lovely <laughs> to be yeah. able to be on, be with you and to talk about it, your interesting uh, questions. <laughs> so, appreciate well, thank it. You. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Um, and thank you for sharing your wisdom. We appreciate it. You are very welcome. Thank you. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at the Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love. Here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings.